Chapter 3 of On Two Feet and Wings A month of packing and planning, waiting and worrying, rushed by. And then, finally, the day we were to leave arrived. Baba went out to change our money into dollars, and the house was quiet. He had left this until the last moment so that he could change all the money at one time, and then he wouldn't have to pay the commission for exchanging it twice. Maman's bags and mine had been packed the previous night and stood by the door. I was dressed and ready to go. My footsteps echoed against the walls as I walked through all the rooms looking for Maman and Mama June. As I entered the kitchen, I saw the two of them sitting on the floor with a plate and some dried bread in front of them. My mother gestured to me to sit next to them. Mama June smiled. Come over here, my darling. You should eat before leaving, she murmured. It's going to be a long day. I peered at the plate. What is it, I asked. My mother tried to smile. It's only fried onions with lavash abbas. She stopped to compose herself before continuing. That's all we have left. Fried onions? Since when had we started eating that? But I was hungry and I could see that my mother was upset. So I sat down and I took the smallest portion I could, putting the fried onions on a piece of the dried bread. My mother and Mama June watched with great interest. After taking a small bite, I chewed very carefully, expecting the worst. To my surprise, it wasn't half bad, so I helped myself to more. I hadn't known fried onions and bread could taste this good. I knew you would like it, my mother said. So did I, I responded. She just smiled. She always knew what I was thinking. While Mama June was clearing the plates, the door opened. It was my father. He had a tight smile on his face. Time to go, he said. Say goodbye to Mama June, Abbas. I walked over to Mama June and stood in front of her. She held my cheeks with both of her hands and kissed me. I'll miss you, my darling. Take good care of yourself and always remember that you are a Kazaruni. I've prayed for you and I will continue to pray for you. Goodbye, Mama June, I said, and then I began to sob. Come now, Abbas, men don't cry, you know that, she said with a gentle smile. You're a Kazaruni, remember? She tired, tidied my hair and took my hand. Be strong, my boy, be strong. I tried to stop crying and waited for my mother to say goodbye to Mama June. My grandmother hugged my mother tightly and whispered in her ear, You're doing the right thing, my girl. Goodbye, Maman, my mother replied with tears in her eyes. Before I knew it, the three of us were in the car that my father had borrowed. As my father pulled away, I looked at each of the houses on our street. So many memories flashed before my eyes. All of my soccer games, the times I had ripped my trousers, the fights I'd been in. I remembered how my friends Ali, Soru, Mehdi, and Farhad, the boys I played with on the streets, would come to my house and ask my mother if I could play. I remember the bike rides, the games, the mischief we got into together, and the fun we had. The car was going faster as we moved onto the main streets and eventually onto the motorway. No one had spoken since we had left. My mother and I were trying hard not to cry. Baba drove in auto cruise. I could see his brain ticking as he tried to think of some last-minute advice to give us. He seemed desperate to keep calm. Out of the blue, he asked, What's the capital of Turkey, Abbas? I thought for a minute, and then I guessed. Istanbul? My father gave my mother an amused look. Maman turned around and looked at me with a smile. I sighed with relief as I thought I had got it right. Then my mother said, It's Ankara, but it's a common mistake to make as she jokingly slapped my father on the shoulder. He's just trying to trick you.
That little incident was enough to take our minds away from the reality of the day, even if just for a few minutes. That is all I remember of the rest of the journey. I cannot remember the roads, what I saw, or what was set apart from the conversation. I know, however, that I looked out the window for most of the ride, hoping it would never end. The longer it went on, the more hope I had that we would never arrive at the Tehran airport. But then my father pulled up to the terminal. There was a deadly silence in the car. I could hear my mother breathing deeply, trying to control myself. My father sat staring through the windshield at the wall in front of him. I could hear him reaching for his worry beads in his left trouser pocket. Only about 20 seconds ticked past, but it felt like hours. Each of us was alone in that moment, and yet together one last time as a family. My father snapped us out of our reverie. Come on, we've got to get you checked in. I got out of the car slowly and went around to the trunk where my parents stood. My father pulled out our two suitcases while I reached in to get the smaller bags from the back seat. He looked at us, then picked up my bag and started to walk. My mother tried to carry her own bag, but I stopped her. I'll take it, Maman. It's heavy, she said. I'll manage, I said. She began to walk alongside of my father. I hobbled behind them, struggling with the heavy suitcase. My father went through the main entrance where thousands of people were sitting, eating, talking, and lining up. He stopped momentarily to look at a screen and then turned to my mother. What's the flight number again? IR391, I cut in. My mother nodded to confirm. I could see that my quickness had put a smile on my father's face. All of a sudden, he had a spring in his step. He looked at the screen again and then began to lead us to to a check-in desk about 50 yards away. Once again, I struggled behind with the suitcase. About 20 feet from the desk, my father stopped. He waited for me to catch up took Maman's bag from me, and knelt down to my level. Abbas, you go over and sit on that seat, he said gently, and save two seats next to you for Maman and me. We'll go check in. Okay, Baba, I said, and I did as I was told. I was getting nervous. Would we be able to get on the flight? I watched as they joined the line. There were about four or five people ahead of them. My father leaned toward my mother and whispered something. My mother quickly checked her headscarf to make sure that her hair was not showing. At home, she never bothered with the scarf, but in public, it was compulsory. She often pushed the strict rules about dress to their limits, but this was not a good time or a place to do that. I think my father was telling her this. As the line moved forward, my parents looked as if they were chatting casually. Everything seemed to be running according to plan. I turned to scan the room. There were huge posters of Ayatollah Khamenei all over the airport. There were armed soldiers everywhere, some no older than 16 or 17. I watched the people saying their goodbyes. I hadn't thought that I'd taken my attention away from my parents for more than 30 seconds, but obviously I had, because as I looked back toward the check-in desk, I noticed that they were at the head of the line. At first it seemed normal, but then I saw everything was not fine. My father and the man behind the desk were arguing. Baba looked shocked and angry. Both men kept looking at my mother. I was get, it was getting ugly when suddenly Baba stopped speaking. He put his hand out in acceptance of the situation and pulled my mother with him. She looked shaken. I wanted to go over and see what was happening, but I thought better of it. I saw my father say something to my mother. She listened, looking more and more horrified with each word Baba spoke. Then she began to talk. In fact, she was almost shouting when my father shrieked for her to shut up. The entire terminal turned to see what was going on. My father whispered something to her and pointed to two seats, but not the ones near me. My mother was sobbing as she walked toward them. 
I got up and started to walk over to my mother, but then I noticed my father staring at me. I stopped dead. He quietly motioned me back to my seat, and I did what he wanted, but I could not take my eyes off my mother. She wouldn't look at me. I noticed my father walk briskly to the other side of the terminal until he reached a phone booth at the far end. He searched his pockets for change and his phone book. I was half watching him and half keeping an eye on my mother in case she made eye contact with me. She was hysterical. I had never seen her like this before. My father looked around anxiously as he dialed the number and waited for a response. I could see that he was desperate and trying hard not to show it. His eyes were scanning the terminal, making sure he was not being watched or overheard. Then he looked at me, and I knew he was talking about me. He finished his conversation, slowly put the receiver down, and walked back toward me, every step deliberate as if he was trying to buy time and thinking his plan through. He sat next to me. He didn't say anything. He sat there like a stranger. After crossing his legs, he got out his beads and sighed. I was too scared to say anything. Then he turned to me. They won't let your mother out, he said very calmly. What? Why is that? I asked. Some technical issue. It's all rubbish, he said casually, as if talking to a friend about a small annoyance. It's just a trick to try to keep you here. Oh, I said, confused. So are we going home? Well, he said, his voice almost a whisper. I've been thinking. They're saying that they won't let your mother out, but they're not saying that they won't let you out. So? Well, that means you can still go, Abbas. What, alone? I asked. He must be joking. If you stay, you'll probably go to war, he said. I'm not saying you will die, but it's a strong possibility. However, if you go to Turkey, you'll have a chance at a life that I can't give you here in Iran. Obviously, if it doesn't work out, you can come back. There will be no shame in that. At least you will have tried. He meant what he said. And while he was going to give me the option to choose, in Persian culture, when your father gives you that kind of choice, you say yes. I had to go. I just nodded. I didn't have the strength to say yes out loud. Good lad, he said. You're a Kazaruni, though, and through and through. I smiled in order to stop myself from crying. Right, he said. Because you're not even 10 years old, you can't just get on a plane with no one to greet you at the other end. That's why I made the call. I have a friend in Istanbul who will pick you up, pretending to be your uncle, Farhad. I won't tell you his real name. It's better that way. How will I recognize him, I asked. Good question, he said. He will have a large card with your name on it. He'll say that he wrote it for the benefit of the flight attendant. Okay, so he'll pick me up for sure? Yes. When you see him, run up to him as if you know him really well and give him a kiss, he instructed. Then what? He will take care of you. He owes me a favor from way back. He reached inside his jacket pocket and took out an envelope. He held it on. He held on to it as he put it in my hands. Inside this envelope, Elvis, he said, are 1,701 U.S. dollars. Everything we have sold over the last month is here, he paused. Look after it with your life. It can give you a start. Not every child in this country gets. It will. I will, Baba, I said, and trying not to cry. I promise. Good boy, he said with a tender smile. I'm very proud of you. You're very brave. Now sit here for a second while I try to check you in. I watched him go over to the desk, which had now no line at all. This time he had no problem, but I could see that the man behind the desk was surprised as well as annoyed because my clever father had trapped him in a loophole. It was so like my father to want to have the last word, and this time he did. 
He returned with a smile on his face, but as he reached me, he became serious again. Remember all that I have taught you, he, asked, he said. Always think before you do or say anything. Yes, Bubba. And call me as soon as you reach Istanbul, okay? I will. Now is the time you have to be a man, my son, he said. Go and say goodbye to your mother, but please do not cry, as she is already very upset. Okay, I said, trying to hold back all of my feelings. This was no ordinary goodbye. My mother was the person I loved most in the world. I walked over to where she sat crying. I have to go now, my man, I said. I stood next to her stiffly, my eyes filled with tears, and all I was thinking about was trying to stop them from rolling down my cheeks. Goodbye, my man. My mother held me so tightly that I could barely breathe. She was weeping, and I felt guilty for not showing my feelings. Goodbye, my darling, she said. I love you so much. I love you more than anything in this world, Abbas. You know that, right? I just nodded. I'm so sorry you're going alone. I promise to join you as soon as I can. I'll try to be there for your birthday in a week. Come on, Abs. We've got to get you through the gate, my father said from a distance. Now, look after yourself, were my mother's last words. As I walked away from her, I saw her fall to her knees, crying inconsolably. At the gate, when the flight attendant was about to take me away, my father offered his hand for me to shake. His grip was firm. He held my hand in his while he said, Good luck, son. And then, have a good trip. I, could bear, I couldn't bear to look back as I walked away from the gate, tears rolling down my face. I cannot remember very much about that flight. I sat in my seat and stared out the window, hoping I would get one last look at my parents before taking off. Then I cried myself to sleep even before the plane took off. Before I knew it, I was landing in Istanbul where it was already night. I waited until the flight attendant came to get me. I don't remember what we talked about on our brief walk to the arrival lounge, but I know that I only gave her yes and no answers. I was more worried about seeing my name on a card and acting in a way that wouldn't give the game away. We had cut ahead of all the lines and suddenly were at the lounge. My eyes were working overtime. In a panic, I saw that there were many signs with many different names. Then in the back, I spotted a tall man with a dark beard and a mustache who was obviously Armenian. He was wearing a black shirt and black trousers and he had sunglasses on, even though it was night. As soon as I saw him holding my name, I made a dash for him. I think he was surprised when I jumped up and hugged him and gave him two traditional Iranian kisses, saying, Hi, Uncle Farhad, how are you? Before he could reply, the flight attendant appeared with her papers. Farhad Kerzaruni, she asked with a smile. That's me, he responded with a fake smile. He took the papers for her and signed them and then watched her leave. Eventually, he noticed me looking up for him, at him, waiting for instructions. Go and swap $20 at the foreign exchange office, he ordered. But my father said that I should swap money on the black market because I'll get a better rate, I said hesitantly. Did he now? The man said with an arrogant smile. Well, he's right, but what exactly does he expect you to use to pay for the taxi? As I walked to the foreign exchange office, I was thinking about what he had said. Why would I need a taxi now that Maman wasn't with me as planned? Hadn't Baba said this man would look after me? I didn't want to argue, though, so I put $20 on the counter and the lady gave me the equivalent amount in Turkish lira. I walked slowly back to the man and waited to see what he would do next. Right. Here's a list of the cheapest hotels in Istanbul that you'll be safe at, he said. Only Iranians stay at these hotels, and everyone speaks Farsi. The taxi line is over there. Now my number is at the bottom of the piece of paper, but do not call it. I repeat, do not call it, unless it's a matter of life and death. Do you understand? 
Yes, I replied, hardly believing what I was hearing. Good. Well, off you go then, he said with another phony smile. But my father said that you'd look after me. Your father says many things. I don't have time to stay here and entertain you, he snapped. Now, if you won't go, I will. The man walked off into the crowd, and before I knew it, he disappeared. There I was with my suitcase in the middle of Istanbul Airport, alone. I didn't realize I was crying until I saw the tears hit my shoes. Outside, it was dark, night. I was nine years old and by myself in a foreign land. I didn't even speak the language. Quite simply, I was terrified.